Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you are, no matter what time it is, it's a great day to be serving the Lord. Welcome to the Go Ye There podcast. I'm your host, Leland Johnson, and we are happy to have you with us today. You know, for most missionaries, homeschooling is just a part of everyday life, but it can be a very challenging part. In today's episode, we're going into the issue from both the practical and the legal aspect. Let's get started. In Deuteronomy 6.6, the Bible says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. One of the ways that many of us as missionaries do this is by homeschooling our children. But homeschooling isn't always the glorious rapture that some would make it out to be. The truth is that homeschooling is a difficult task in and of itself. When you compound that with running around in the car on deputation or on furlough for hours, kids sitting on the back pews of the church trying to complete lessons during all-day meetings, all the pressures of ministry when you're on the field, dealing with children who would rather be in a real school with their friends, not to mention the potential visits from the authorities in some countries. Homeschooling is a big topic that we're going to have to revisit in the future. But today we're going to get our feet wet with two great guests. First, we're going to talk with author and speaker Mary Hood about some ideas as to how missionaries can make homeschooling work for them. In our second interview, we're going to talk with attorney Mike Donnelly, who's going to give us a little insight into the legal battle for homeschooling around the world. Let's get started. Dr. Mary Hood is the founder of the Association of Relaxed Christian Home Educators. She has a PhD in education and is the author of such books as The Relaxed Homeschool, The Joyful Homeschooler, and Countdown to Consistency. She's also a regular columnist for the Old School House magazine. Mary and her husband Roy homeschooled all five of their children from preschool all the way to graduation, all of whom have gone on to complete college degrees and one having a master's degree. Aside from being an author, she's also a noted conference speaker on the subject of homeschooling and has been the keynote speaker in places like the East Africa Homeschooling Group in Nairobi, Kenya. Dr. Hood, it's great to have you with us today. I appreciate you asking me. Missionaries have the regular pressures of homeschooling multiplied by traveling on deputation and furlough as well as living in a foreign country. You've written a lot on the topic of relaxed homeschooling, which can be a particular help to missionaries. Can you start off by giving us an idea of what relaxed homeschooling is? Sure. Uh, first of all, I want to make it clear that it's not the same thing, in my opinion at least, as unschooling. Uh, unschooling is an educational philosophy where the parents basically don't use much use of textbooks. Um, you know, they kind of do what you know, they think of as learning through living and so forth. And, of course, some of this is just semantics, and there may be people who call themselves unschoolers who are a lot like me. But when I talk about relaxed homeschooling, to me it's less of a philosophy and more of a mindset, uh, and a mindset that works with whatever your kids are actually doing, whether they're using textbooks or structured subjects or doing things more loose. 
the idea is that you're a family, not a school. And by the way, I, I think this is a totally Christian concept uh, from the standpoint of God made families uh, and not schools, and that we were meant to be with our kids to, to teach them and help them to grow. I think of it as that you're a family, not a school. You're uh, a mom, not a teacher, although you, of course, play some teacher roles from time to time. You're a dad, not a principal, and you have individual relationships with your children, not a, a group in a schoolroom that you're trying to do stuff with. All that basically releases you from some of the pressures, treating the children as the individuals they are. You know, you have to look at all sorts of things, their personalities, their learning styles, you know, their own goals as they get older, and then, you know, look at the resources you have available, which I know can be a challenge as missionaries. But at any rate, so you're working as a family, uh, and one child may do better with a structured curriculum, and one child might do better with just reading, and somebody else might be very handy hands-on. So the idea is God created us as individuals, not as groups. And you have to figure out what works for each one of them. And a mom will take on a lot of roles that look like a teacher, you know, as you're sitting there helping them with their math or reading a book to them or something. But you don't have to change out of some main role and like at nine o'clock in the morning mutate into a teacher in order to do this. And of course, being on the mission field, you make use of all the resources you have, including learning about the other cultures that you're in and obviously Bible study and what have you. But uh, you, you just use what you have and uh, trust a little bit in yourself and in God to, to you know, help these kids get educated without feeling the pressure of having to finish you know, X amount of work each day. I believe that a lot of times it's the moms that are the ones taking the lead on homeschooling the kids. With so many pressures and demands on their time, how does a mom keep it all together? The mom has to realize that her number one goal, her number one role, I should say, is to be the emotional center of the family. And to do that, she has to pay some attention. I'm sure that missionaries are, are great at paying attention to everybody's needs but their own. But a mom especially has to pay some attention to her own needs, whether that's needs to have a little quiet time once in a while or to get away from things once in a while or to have some of her own interests and so forth. And she has to do that not to be selfish, but because she needs to keep it together. If the mom is together, you know, and emotionally stable and everything, and the dad comes in a little upset or the kids come in or whining or whatever, eventually everything will get back to what it's supposed to be. But if the mom loses it, everybody loses it. So just to remember that it's very important that the mom herself keep in balance. And I'm sure on the mission field, it's, it's different kinds of, of issues. Um, certainly the mom is there to be a supportive partner to her husband and to, uh, and to do her own mission work, but she's got to understand that um, all of that, in a sense, takes a secondary role to being there for those kids. If, if you're going to be trying to homeschool, you can't be trying to do everything else, too, at the same time. And the dads need to understand that and not not place extra demands on, the, on their wives that the wives aren't able to fulfill. A lot of missionaries get really concerned as they approach high school with their children because they may have been very comfortable with the elementary school curriculum, but in high school there may be a lot of concepts that even they don't understand. What can you tell us about how to deal with those changes as they come? 
Well, it definitely does change. Uh, in a lot of my talks, I talk about the age level of around 13 or so when kids themselves start to change. If anybody's interested in that, I've got talks on it. My talk about middle school, for example, uh, is, is gets into that more detail. But the fact is it does change, as you're talking about. And when you're younger, it's more a question of reading to your kids a lot, you know, making use of the resources and experiences around you, uh, being a family together and all that sort of thing. As they get older, I think the biggest key is to recognize that that they are becoming young transitional adults. Uh, we we kind of cross that line somewhere around 13 or 14. And at that point, the mom's role especially has to become a little less of the uh, control freak teacher, if you will, and a little more of the down on your knees praying about it and helping them to set their own goals and uh, then working with them towards those goals. And, you know, every every kid is different, and a lot of it at that point has to be, you have to be thinking about, what the goal is. Is this one going to college? Is this one, you know, going off onto the mission fields themselves? Or, you know, is this one going to become a welder or something like that? Uh, but whatever it is, you have to focus more, again, on, on your goals and their goals kind of meshing together. And it's, it's a very large topic and one I can't really cover completely in here. The other thing is, as moms, of course, get up into the upper levels, some things they just don't know. And then you have to either decide to learn it with them maybe hopefully staying a step ahead of them, or farm it out to somebody else. And, of course, here in the States, there are a lot of opportunities for that. Overseas, you have to use whatever opportunities you do have. There might be somebody else in the community who can do a better job at teaching algebra than you can. And if you can, just make use of those resources, whatever they are. You mentioned there about being ready for college, and I think that's a concern that a lot of homeschooling parents have. Can you talk a little bit more about that topic and about how to have the right thinking about being ready for college? Well, to me, ready doesn't mean a list of certain courses are on your sheet. It, it's nice if you have the, quote, right ones and all that, but, but really being ready is more a question of character and skills. So when I, uh, when I, my kids are little, I think a lot about character development, and hopefully by the time that they're 13, 14, hopefully they're on the path with that. And then when they're teenagers, I really focus a lot on skills. You know, I also work with, uh, of course, my own kids are all grown and gone now, but I work with teenagers at a resource center here. And to me, it's all about building their skills. I'm, I'm teaching math class. I'm teaching writing classes, you know, uh, helping them to learn old-fashioned research. The other day, for example, um, we were talking about math problem required to know how many pints were in a gallon. And I said, now, obviously, I know that if I ask you that question, right now, you'd just say you'd Google it. But what if you don't have a computer? You know, So trying to help them understand that there were ways of doing research and learning things without over-dependence on a computer, I think, mm -hmm. is an important part of it. But just, and of course, computer skills is also important. But there are some kids who are going to be able to come up with a fairly traditional transcript, and there are some kids that just aren't. And there's always ways to get into college. If you can't get in the front door, there's always back doors. One of my own daughters, when she started off in one college, went to another, and after she had already had a four-point for a semester, they were trying to tell me that she had to go back and take a couple of high school courses. And at that point, it became my responsibility as a mother to say, no, <laughs> we're not going to do that. Um, that was a private Christian school, and it could be a little different story with uh, secular schools. But uh, again, there's always back doors, you know, through community college and other things. So I just wouldn't obsess too much about having a perfect transcript and all that. Again, when I give talks on high school, you know, I, I talk a lot about specific skills, but character in the skills is a lot 
more important than specific subjects, you know, and, and of course, attitude. It's much more important to have an attitude like, I can do math and I will do math, than do you have Algebra 1, Algebra 2, Geometry, Pre-Calculus all in your transcript. The attitude is such, so much more important. I noticed on your website that you wrote an interesting article called Turning Being Broke into a Unit Study. You know, I would think that missionaries normally fall under the category of being broke most of the time. How do we use this and situations like this to help teach our kids? You use whatever's going on around you. Let's just say, for example, the parents are heavily in debt. And let's say that they're trying to use things like Dave Ramsey or whatever to pull out of debt. Well, involve the children in that. You know, let them know about what's going on. Back in the early days when my my a youngest son, who's 20, almost 27 now, when he was a very small child, I was going to curriculum fairs a lot. I had a lot of math materials around on the floor around me, and he would sit there and play with all that math materials, and he became the best mathematician of all of them. So just include them into whatever you're doing. Economics education is so much more important than so many other things and often lacking in the, uh, in the curriculum. If someone would like more information or would like to get in contact with you, how do they do that? We have a website, which is www.archers, A-R-C-H-E-R-S, for, F-O-R, thelord.org. Uh, and on it, there is a, um, a store section where you can get uh, my talks and uh, books and booklets and that sort of thing. And there's a section that's got a speaker's page on it. And, of course, there's also a contact me button, which shoots right to my email if anybody wants to contact me with a personal question, which is fine with me. I don't mind people uh, asking me questions. Sometimes I have time to answer and sometimes I don't. But uh, we also have a Facebook page, uh, or actually it's a group, called Relaxed Homeschoolers-Archers. So if anybody wants to find that, it's the kind of thing you have to ask to join. But that's where people talk back and forth among each other sometimes. Mary, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and for your work to help provide guidance to homeschoolers. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, I wish you all luck, too. I know being a missionary is not an easy task. Attorney Mike Donnelly is the Director of Global Outreach for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. He holds a Juris Doctorate with honors from Boston University School of Law. He's also the primary attorney for the members of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association in eight different states and is a member of the bars of four different states and the United States Supreme Court. As Director of Global Outreach, he coordinates the HSLDA's support of homeschooling freedom around the world. Mike, it's great to have you with us today. Leland, it's a pleasure for me to be with you and everyone listening. Mike, you know, many missionaries grow up in the U.S. where homeschooling is a safe and legal option. How is homeschooling received in the rest of the world? Leland, homeschooling is um, legal in all 50 states in the United States, has been for about 20 years now. It wasn't always that way. Uh, it was quite a fight in the United States over the course of about 20 to 25 years as the homeschooling movement grew. But now there are almost two and a half million homeschooled children in the United States, which is approaching 4% of the school-age population. The research continues to show that homeschooling is an excellent form of education. Children who are tested, who have been homeschooled, perform well above their peers in academic measures, social measures, civic engagement measures, going to college, 
you know, living fulfilling lives and doing really amazing things. And I think we're going to see more of that in the future, which is very exciting. I'm a homeschooling parent myself. Uh, we have seven children and two in college right now and five still at home. And uh, homeschooling is, is a great option. When you look around the world, you see different things. Uh, some countries you would expect homeschooling is not well received. Countries like uh, China or, or Cuba, for example, which are communist countries where you, you would expect uh, the governments there to be totalitarian in their desire to control education systems. But you also see in some countries where, you know, you know, where you might not expect to see that kind of totalitarian uh, imperative in some countries like Germany or Sweden, for example, countries that are Western countries, ostensibly free democratic countries where there is hostility to homeschooling. Then you can look at countries like Russia, for example, uh, where there is a vibrant and growing homeschool movement, or the Philippines, where there is a vibrant and growing homeschool movement. So it's very interesting to look around the world and see how there are differences among countries. Uh, and uh, you've got to take each country individually, of course. You can't make any broad generalizations. And for missionaries uh, you know, who go to uh, these countries, it's a good idea for them to know, you know how that country receives it if homeschooling is something that's important to them. So if I am going to homeschool in a different country, what are some things that I can expect, maybe in a country where it's not as accepted as it is in the United States, what types of things may I run into? Uh, what we've experienced is that you know, American citizens who are missionaries who go to other countries are typically left alone. Most governments are mostly concerned about their own citizens, and if they're allowing people to come into the country as missionaries, they generally are not too concerned that their kids aren't in school. Although we have had some instances in countries like Germany uh, where there are missionaries who have had difficulties because of homeschooling. In fact, some have actually had their visas not renewed because they were unwilling to put their children into the public education system. And I can certainly understand why they wouldn't want to because the German public education system, if it's possible, uh, is worse in some ways with respect to the values that it communicates to children in the American public education system. Uh, missionaries really need to think about carefully, if, if homeschooling is something that they feel God has called them to do, they need to think carefully about what that will mean in the country that they're going to. As an American, we are very in tune with our rights, and we like to talk about our rights. Do I have any rights as an American citizen living in a foreign country when it comes to homeschooling? Uh, well, maybe. If you're an American military person, and there aren't many missionaries who are, um, then you might have some legal rights. But generally speaking, when you are as a missionary and you go to another country, you are living at the pleasure of that government. You have a visa there, and there's an expectation that you are going to comply with the laws of that country. Um, and so, you know, now, there is an understanding that you will comply with those laws, but there may not be that same level of expectation that you are going to. Going back to the point I made earlier about my sense of how missionaries are treated is that they are pretty much left alone. If they're there and the government has acknowledged them and has allowed them to come there to do their work, um, they don't worry too much if their children aren't in the local public schools. Uh, but at the same time, if you go to a country like Germany or Sweden, for example, where you have a very strong and rigid uh, legal structure that is intolerant of home education, then you may need to be prepared to confront that possibility. 
God is calling you to go and do that, that's one thing. But if it isn't, then that's something that you need to take into consideration as you think about where God is calling you to go as a missionary. So for those of us that are familiar with the HSLDA, we know that it can help us if we live in the United States. But what does the HSLDA do if I'm living abroad? Well, as the director of global outreach for HSLDA, it's my privilege to work with homeschooling movements all over the world and to assist our members who have difficulties or issues in other countries. Uh, so we do offer services. Um, you know, we are limited in what we can do. We're not lawyers in other countries. We're lawyers here in the United States, but we do have contacts with other lawyers in other countries. And so if there is a legal problem that develops, we can put, you know, our members in touch with those legal experts. We, in in, in some cases, will pay for that legal representation. Uh, we have done that in a number of cases. We can also provide counsel and advice also advocacy. I do a lot of advocating for homeschooling families in other countries directly with the the governments of those countries. And, uh, you know, we work with our embassies when appropriate if things get difficult. Uh, so we have a number of services we offer. So folks are very welcome uh, to join HSLDA. We have a discount program for, for missionaries. If you're a missionary, you get the very best price of membership with HSLDA that's available. And, uh, you know, we want to support uh, people who are homeschooling and who have taken on that call to um, serve God in other countries, and especially if they want to homeschool their children, we want to be there to help them. So that we have an idea of how to pray better, what countries are really the battlegrounds right now for homeschooling? Well, that's a great question. So you're in Brazil. Uh, Brazil is a very big hotspot right now. There is a battle going on in Brazil, and, I, and I'm pleased to say that it appears to be going very well. They are sympathetic to the arguments that are being made there. HSLDA filed a brief in that case, which is available at our website. Uh, folks can go to hslda.org and click on the international link and then go to the Brazil page, and they can read that uh, brief. It's in Portuguese and English if they're interested. Uh, countries where there is hostility to homeschooling are, include countries uh, like Germany and Sweden, uh, where we are engaged in litigation to try to make the point that these uh, that the authorities are are violating the what we would consider the human rights of these parents, we believe that parents have a fundamental human right to choose how their children are educated. I make that case in a number of publications that I've written, and if people want to read more about that, they can go to a webpage called the Rio Principles. Dot .org the rio principles.org which is a 10 point brochure that explains why we believe that homeschooling is a human right and uh, Cuba is a place where we are helping some families who are trying to homeschool their children those are just a few places where we are involved but uh, we get in contacts from all over the world because homeschooling is becoming a very fast growing movement as parents hear about it they're attracted to it because they're unhappy with the situation in many public schools around the world, and we're glad to be able to be a resource for anyone who is interested in home education. Excellent, excellent information. Mike, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Leland. Appreciate the work you're doing there uh, in Brazil and uh, to support others around the world. And HSLDA considers it a privilege to serve the missionary population. We want to be there to support you as you do the work that God's called you to do. Thank you for having me. Amen. Thank you.
Now, I know that today's show is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to homeschooling. We've been receiving some great responses from you on potential show topics. In just the first three weeks, I believe we've received close to 50 new ideas. Thank you, and keep on sending them. Also, thank you for the great feedback that we've been receiving on the show. It helps to make it better. We have received several questions about not being able to find us on podcast apps. Remember that we're available on all major podcast apps, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and now we're on TuneIn as well. But remember that when you search for us, go ye there is all one word. And be careful not to put go ye therefore, which is a natural mistake. If you're listening via smartphone, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so that you get a new notification each time an episode is available. Now on to next week. Next week, we're going to be talking with my pastor, Kenny Baldwin, as well as Brother Dean Hamby from Macedonia World Baptist Missions about some best practices when visiting churches. We hope that you'll join us.